and God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. And God called the vault sky. And God said, let dry ground appear. Let the land produce vegetation. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let there be light in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image, male and female. He created them. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And on the seventh day, God rested. God had created a beautiful world and filled it with glorious and diverse creatures. Of all his creation, he singled out two humans to build a relationship with, Adam and Eve. These two people were blessed to share their paradise with each other and God. So why would they want anything else? The Lord God put them in the Garden of Eden to take care of it. And he commanded, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when the woman saw the fruit, she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, and he ate it. Then the Lord God said, What is this you have done? And he banished them from the Garden of Eden. The tragic accounts of the mistakes and poor choices of Adam and Eve are echoed in the later stories of hardship and tragedy for their children and their children's children. But even then, God began to make a way back for us. He began by building more than a road. He built a nation. Abraham had all the wrong qualifications for being the founder of God's nation. He and his wife, Sarah, were way beyond childbearing years. No children meant no people to populate God's nation. But God promised the impossible to Abraham, and Abraham watched as the impossible occurred. Too little, too late, his time has come and gone. Is that what they say when I walk by? I've got a little more gray. My steps are slow and long. And the promise you made fades in the moonlight. I see a star, but you see the Milky Way. I see one man counting sand. But you see generations, Pooh, but you would ever choose to dream your dream in me. Tell me who, but you would dare me to believe what I can't see. gracious to Sarah, and by faith even Sarah was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. 
So from this one man came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Don't you think by now it wouldn't bother me The hush from the crowd when I walk by Can you think somehow I'd let my heart believe It's time to let go of lullabies And I see, see a star you see the galaxy, there's just one hope, just one way. These arms will not stay empty, who but you would ever choose to dream your dream in me? Tell So the nation that God planted from the seed of Abraham continued to grow. But God's story of promise for his people was continually tarnished by humanity's legacy of hate and deception. And still, God did not turn away from his children. On the cloud-covered summit of Mount Sinai, God handed down the ten most quoted, best-known rules humankind has ever heard. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make a graven image or misuse the name of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder, commit adultery, steal, give false testimony, covet what belongs to your neighbor. For I am the Lord your God. The promise made to Abraham was now a reality realized in two stone tablets that had been placed in the hands of God's servant, Moses. God's people were called to be different so that the entire world would know and worship the one true God, the very source of life and hope. And so it came to pass that God raised up a king who would become an essential part of the Father's eternal plan of salvation for his children. The Lord has sought out a man after God's own heart and appointed him leader of the people. David was a shepherd, a warrior, and a poet, a leader who put God first. But David was not a perfect man. Greed, lust, and even murder would break his relationship with his heavenly father. But forgiveness cleanses the wounds of sin. And when a remorseful David asked God to forgive him, God said yes. 
David was a king full of desire and passion, but what ruled his life was a deep love for God. David's poetry paints a beautiful picture of his relationship with his God, a protector, a father, and Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack for nothing. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
Abraham's nation and David's kingdom had been dedicated to the worship of the one true God. But once again, many of the people hardened their hearts and continued to ignore God's plea to return to his ways. Others waited and wept in exile and oppression. But the story was far from over. God had not forgotten his people and longed to lavish compassion and grace on them yet again. He sent a messenger, a prophet named Isaiah, with a glorious promise, the coming of the Messiah, the suffering servant, who would usher in a kingdom without end. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. By his wounds we are healed. Darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you. His glory appears over you. Your light has come. When the set time had fully come, as the Apostle Paul put it, God spoke again, this time in the person of Jesus the Messiah, whose birth, life, death, and resurrection changed everything. Now the prophet's ancient promises came to life. The people could see personified God's unfailing dedication to restoring lost relationships through this carpenter and itinerant preacher. Jesus was the culmination of the story that had been written from the beginning of time. He was God's final word. And this is how it happened. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be called the Son of the Most High. His kingdom will never end. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled.
And so Jesus was born and grew into adulthood and began to reveal who he was. But he was like no other person anyone had ever known. Although he was fully human, he was also fully God. With his 12 disciples as interns, Jesus began his itinerant ministry of teaching and healing. From the start, Jesus appeared to be a different kind of rabbi. He put people before laws. His new way was forgiving and kind. He was a friend to people on the outside. He spent much of his time with ordinary people with ordinary needs. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Blessed are you who are poor, who hunger, who weep, who are persecuted. Rejoice, for great is your reward in heaven. The Jews were convinced that the long-awaited Messiah would liberate them from Rome's oppression. But Jesus' purpose was much deeper, and his kingdom more glorious than what the people were expecting. They had to learn the true meaning of the word Messiah. It meant anointed one, and Jesus was the Messiah.
Do you remember Abraham and King David? All great rulers of ancient Israel had been warriors, builders, diplomats. Little wonder that most people imagined that the new king would be the greatest warrior, builder, and diplomat of all. How odd then that Jesus seemed indifferent to regime change. His message was, open your heart to God. This unexpected focus, coupled with Jesus' insistence on genuine personal repentance, offended many in Jerusalem's religious establishment. Usually, people try to avoid trouble, but Jesus set his direction straight toward those who were plotting to kill him. And now Jesus would enter Jerusalem for the last time. Behind the scenes, under the radar of politics and religious courts, a dark power was waiting. And when soldiers of the Jewish religious establishment came to place Jesus under arrest, Jesus gave himself up. He was sentenced to the Roman method of execution, a crucifixion, nailed to a wooden cross by wrists and feet. It was excruciating, slow, and a very public way to die. For Jesus, this heinous death was undeserved. As he gave his life, he looked beyond it to God's bigger story of salvation that was being played out through his life and death. There were two other men, both criminals, who were also let out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah, he cried? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. My life began like any other man Held beneath a mother's loving gaze Somewhere between now and then I lost the man I could have been Took everything that wasn't mine to take But love believes that it is not too late Only one of us deserves this cross Of suffering that should belong to me Deep within this man I hang beside Is the place where shame and grace collide And it's beautiful agony That he believes it's not too late for me This is how love wins Every single time, climbing high above a dream where someone else should die. This is how love heals the deepest part of you, letting himself bleed into the middle of your wounds. This is what love says, standing at the door. This is how love wins. Did you see this moment from the start that we would drink 
this cup of suffering. I wonder, did we ever meet? Childhood games in dusty streets. Of all my many sorrows and regrets, nothing could compare to just this one. That in the presence of my King, I cannot fall upon my knees. I cannot carry you up to your throne, but you instead will carry me back home. This is how love wins every single time, climbing Jesus died and was buried on Friday. The next day was the Jewish Sabbath, and a guard was posted to prevent any tampering with the body. Then on the first day of the week, Sunday, those who mourned Jesus came to pay their respects. When the Sabbath was over, some of the women brought spices so they might anoint Jesus' body. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone. He said, Do not be afraid. Jesus is not here. He is risen, just as he said. So the women hurried away, filled with joy, running to tell the disciples, Jesus is alive. And dream of me What kind of love 
is writing my story till the end with mercy's pen only you what kind of king would choose to wear a crown that bleeds and scars to win my heart what kind of love tells me I'm the reason he can't stay inside the grave you God had promised since the Old Testament days that he would redeem his people. He sent a son who died and was raised to life so that people could be forgiven. What a story. But was Jesus' resurrection the end of the saga? No. On a dusty road beside a sea, 
Behind closed doors, again and again, Jesus appeared to the faithful. And the story continued. The disciples were together when Jesus came and stood among them. He showed them his hands and his sides, and they were overjoyed. Then he said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. All my devotion, misguided loyalty, swinging my sword in the garden while you pray for your enemies. All my allegiance, I loved you and you alone. But who'd believe that I could mean it now that the rooster crows? Now we're huddled up here, trying to swallow our fear. We still smell the bread and wine, hear your words running through our minds. Holding our breath now, for what comes next now? Holding out for some kind of sign But there's an empty cross There's an empty tomb Iron windmills sweeping in This tiny upper room There's a hungry world There's a risen king Unlock the doors, what reason more? So sing with me, how dare you to, there's an empty cross, there's an empty tomb. We wept from a distance, watched pieces of our dreams. stone beyond our reach. Sweet, sweet Jesus, every question, every fear, vanishing like vapor dreams. And now that you're standing here, now the tears come easy when we say you're leaving. Touch the place the nails went through, wanting one more day with you. But it's goodbye now. It's goodbye now. For a little while now. Believing everything you said is true. There's an empty cross. There's an empty tomb. Fire and wind now sweeping in this tiny upper Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Jesus came to them and said, Go and make disciples of all nations, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. We will sing this song to make your name live on till every heart hears of the way you rescued us. We will sing this song to make your name live on song to make your name live on till every heart is 
There has never been a message more extraordinary, more eternally significant than this. Jesus has come to provide salvation for us all. The entirety of God's story has led up to this ultimate news that we can experience and share with others. But now we look forward to the future, when the last chapter will be written. Soon after the story opened in the book of Genesis, God's battle against evil became evident in the Garden of Eden. And when the last days arrive, the final battle will be engaged. When it's over, all the oppression, injustice, and grief caused by Satan's side will be wrapped up and consigned to a place far from God's home. All the world's destruction and brokenness will give way to Jesus' promise of a new creation. It is here that Christians will enjoy the glory and holiness of God himself forever. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. I am making everything new. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Yes, I am coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.
has come to an end and God's message rings loud and clear. I have opened the door. I have made a way. Come to me and have life. The good news has gone out to the world. It has survived for thousands of years, marching forth to all creation and peoples, leaving behind an incredible wake of transformation. And now God's triumphant word has found its way to you. You've heard the truth. You've come face to face with the most important message you will ever hear. Jesus, God's son, came, lived, died, and rose again. What will you do with this story? What chapter bearing your name is about to be written? Thank you to the choir, thank you to Ruth Davidson, and thank you most of all to God for giving us this incredible story. Let's close with a word of, I'm sorry. One minute. Okay. I have to thank Greg. He came in at the very last minute to do the narration that we found out we were without. He did an incredible job. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'm going to close with a word of prayer, and second service will begin in seven minutes. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for your story. I thank you for the blessing of your son, Jesus Christ. And I just thank you for the hard work of the choir, for Ruth, uh, for Mark Cain, for everyone that made this day possible. Help us to live this story and to tell this story. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Have a great day.